Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 54 of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And this is Mark Vila from Coleman and & Company. And today we're here to talk about how to price embroidery and monogramming work. Right. Amongst other things. Yeah, that's true. I like I like amongst. Oh, I think that's good. Yeah. And we have a, we have a guest today, uh, Tom Rumbaugh. Say hello, Tom. Hi, how's it going? Uh, Tom is now is in the marketing department here at Coldesi, and we are blatantly taking advantage of his expertise and his past. Um, in actually running a commercial embroidery and printing business. So Tom is the author of an article that you are going to see. Actually, I'm going to call it a small e-book on, um, on how to price embroidery and monogramming work. So we thought we would bring him on the, co- on the uh, podcast before this gets published um, to give you guys kind of, a, kind of a leg up, right? So that's, that's pretty much the, the question that we get most on the on the CAS group. Yeah, it's a it's a question that we get every single day somewhere multiple times a day. Right. So uh, people calling in to buy supplies at from Colemanandcompany.com on our Facebook group, um, in our emails, yeah. and uh, when folks are looking to invest in equipment, salespeople get that question. When I when I sold embroidery equipment for years, I would get that question asked all the time. Everyone it seems to be um, this like a seemingly like a labyrinth of how do I price this work that I'm doing? Yeah, um, which is true for any industry, and it's true for um, in our industry, direct to garment printing and spangles yeah. and rhinestones and and vinyl and all these other things. But it's hard in a lot of industries. Folks don't n- normally know well how to charge for their own work. Yeah, and and um, you're right. It goes goes to almost every industry. And I think one of the interesting things about the uh, the embroidery business or the monogramming business or however you want to talk about um, this kind of application is that uh, embroidery has been around for so long. There are people that have been in the business for 30, 50 years who absolutely know this is the only correct way to price your work. Mm-hmm. How do I know? I've been in it for 50 years, and this is the way I've always priced priced my work. Um, but the advantage to having Tom here is because he's been in the business uh, for for a good amount of time, but he's also um, got an open mind as far as pricing goes and did some research. So, Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what makes you um, such a big shot in figuring out how to price this stuff out? Well, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Tom Rumbo, and I've uh, worked in the industry since 1992. That's that's pretty much when I got to start uh, working for the uh, machine companies and um, owned my own shop, a commercial embroidery shop for years, uh, had 12 heads and uh, DTG printers and and ultimately a big screen print uh, operation also. And, yeah. And uh, just, just absolutely love what I what I get to do here now. So it's it's been really good. That's cool. So a lot of experience pricing jobs different way. I've worked with schools. I've worked with... Uh, Larger contracts, military contracts, and uh, and anything from just walk-ins to we had a you know, a retail location where people could walk in and you know how do you price in those situations? Yes. Too. So so I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you a foundation question here, mm-hmm. and that is, um, do you change your pricing versus you know if you have where where's the cutoff? So I'm going to do one hat for somebody. I'm going to do twelve hats for somebody. I'm going to do I get an order. The military comes in and they want four thousand name badges. You know what's what's the first look at that kind of thing? Well, there's a couple different approaches that I that I believe people can have to this. Okay, okay. one approach that's really popular is this is our price. It's always the price, kind of like you mentioned, and we don't change. This is our price list. We publish it, and everybody pretty much molds to that, and that works up to a certain point. If you have a defined set of business, and that's typically all that you do. That works really well, but but what happens is when you get larger jobs or contract jobs or or when you're trying to float between the different styles of work that are out there, um, I always felt it was important to use different pricing models to to uh, to match up with different uh, 
types of thing, you know, jobs okay. that you're bidding. So, so you would have a, so one way is just to have a, however you got there, mm-hmm. is to offer a published price list. Exactly. This yeah. is everything that we sell, and this is the price. Because I see this debated on the CAS group all the time as well. Yeah. Do you publish your price list? Some people yes, some people no. Right. So is there, is there like a, a size range of businesses, or when would you recommend publishing that? Typically, anything from walk-in business all the way up to, say, 72 pieces is a really good option for a, a published price list. The, the, what I think is probably the standard method of doing it is what they call keystone pricing, Okay. which, um, you know, we can get into some specific yeah. details, but keystone pricing is typically done, um, and that's what most people end up building their price lists off. They they kind of start with keystone pricing, which generally uh, pretty much ensures you're gonna you're gonna make a good a good profit on that on almost any job in that range. Okay. Um, and then as it, what people can do is they can kind of sharpen it by using other methods. So so really, pricing models are good for testing each other a little bit too. If you've got one pricing model that says that comes out with a price that seems low and you test it with a different model, and then it seems like it should be low, then chances are you know that that price is the correct price, even though even though maybe it doesn't it doesn't internally feel right to you. Oh, okay, so 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 let's go through the the models themselves and how you would figure out the pricing. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Keystone. Is that is that one of the of the methods that you would use? Yeah, Keystone pricing is good because it allows you a lot of flexibility. Okay, it would be crazy to try and uh, come up with a price list for every single garment that there is in the market. You know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of different garments that are out there. And right. so what most people need is a way to to base their pricing on the risk that they're taking. Okay. So, for instance, um, uh, if you use the catalog price, the catalog price that most of the wholesalers use is, uh, is uh, normally it's about double what? they're going to actually charge you for the garment. So the way keystoning work, it works is the wholesalers like Sanmar yep. uh, will have a published price list that, that's their catalog price. But as you're looking at that catalog price, if let's say I'm, I'm talking with a customer and it's uh, $22 on the catalog price, I know that, that generally I'm buying that for uh, $11. Okay, so, you know, so, so when you say keystoning, the first part of that is whatever blank you're going to use, mm-hmm. um, you're going to double what your cost is. Correct. So I got a $12 polo. I'm selling that for $24 plus. Yeah, and part of the reason of leaving that as, I guess, a as a standard is because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, is the risk involved. Yeah, exactly. So right. if you're doing jackets that cost you $25 a piece, if you damage one of those jackets... Irreplaceably damage it when you're trying to work with it. Yeah. Then you've got to be able to recoup that cost. You just you just terrified a thousand listeners, yeah. and they just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, but if you da- if you're yeah. marking each one up twenty five dollars, yeah, and you damage the one that you have to eat that cost, and now well you've you've made enough profit in some of the others to be able to handle that compared to if you were say, not keystoning and marking it up by a smaller percentage. Yeah, see, I, I like that approach, too, because um, it's very simple. Yeah. Uh, you're not doing a lot of math. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not assuming a lot of risk. You know, it's, hey, it's 20, the, here, it's $24. Sandmar will even give you, you know, publish a catalog for you mm-hmm. that has their retail pricing in it. Yeah. So you can just go through and, hey, here's all the things that you want. And no. it will have it'll have your logo in it too. Yeah, so, the whole thing. So it gives you a more professional appearance to your end user, and it gives you a good starting point. Now, now typically with add-on type decoration like we do in this business, yeah, you have to take the Keystone price. Keystone, by the way, is is not uncommon. This is what's done in re- retail areas all across the country. Yep. So if you walk into many stores, Keystoning is just a normal thing that gets done. Okay. They take whatever the item is, they double it, and that's their that's kind of their starting point. So does that? Um, so we've we've talked about the blanks and double the price. Does that include the decoration? So do you do you add on for like thread and backing and things like that? Are you adding on for time, or is that all based in the rolled up into the keystone? Price? Typically, what happens is you'll keystone the garment. Okay. Right. So so that same do- garment that that you're showing to a customer, they're they're looking at 
let's say, 10 or 12 different garments. They don't they haven't decided. They narrow it down to three that they really like. Yeah. And each of those three are kind of different, you know, and they don't know whether to go with the $22 one, the $10 one, or the $15 polo. Which which polo do they go with? And yeah. so, um, but you need to make sure that you get the a good amount of profit on each of those jobs, regardless of which of those that they mm-hmm. pick. Right. And you need to be able to account for your risk. So, so naturally, in the more expensive polo, you're you're making more. Yes, yeah. that's just the way that that goes, and that's what keystoning is good for. Is it protects your risk to the upside. So, in basic keystoning, you're you're not you're not doing any more math. You're not adding anything else in for labor. You're not adding anything for thread or backing. All that's rolled in. Yeah. Yes. Quick, down and dirty, and then what you typically do is you add. No, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You add on to the, the amount of time it's going to take you, the, basically the uh, a set fee for your embroidery work. An embroidery oh, charge. Okay. So left chest logo. Now, is that flat fee? Like mm-hmm. all left chest logos are X amount of dollars. It, it is with the exception that you have to um, charge according to, to like, how big the order is. So right. That, for so instance, quantity breakdowns. Quantity breakdowns. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. So, for instance, if somebody brings in one garment that is their own, and your embroidery charges, let's say five dollars plus keystoning. Well, you make it a million dollars because yeah. you don't want that job. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, how and much you don't is, want to do that for, for just the embroidery charge yeah, because yeah. you haven't had the opportunity to make the profit on the garment. So, 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 so what? So what is like? I mean, you're you've been in the business. You know, if I want um, Coldessi, you know, I'm wearing a Coldessi embroidered shirt right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, Keystone, I think uh, straight cost on this was $13 on my shirt that I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. So that's $26 for the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a 4,000-stitch embroidery design. So Keystone, would you just, like, say, I charge 5 bucks? Well, let's say you came in and you wanted one shirt like that. Yeah. Okay. I'd probably do Keystone the garment and then just, just $20 for because you're only really bringing me one item. Okay. You know? And so that's just the, the basic cost to get a job done through the – you know, an embroider job to load it mm-hmm. up, to change out all the threads. There's a certain amount of time, and you've got to pay somebody to do that. And, yeah. and you right. can only do a couple of those along with um, with the time it takes to talk to the customer and help yeah. them decide. And yeah, that's something people of, don't people yeah. don't take it. So uh, if you've got this shirt, then this would end up being a $46 shirt. If it was just one just shirt. Just one. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you came and brought that same shirt and we're getting to six, you know, then that yeah. would be maybe a $10 embroidery charge on top of that. And if we're getting to twelve, now we're getting down. Now I can get it down to around six dollars plus okay. the keystone price. Okay, does that make sense? It does make sense. So I see. So you can build some sort of a structured pricing where you're going to say you're going to double the price of every garment. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have an embroidery charge, and that's going to be maybe one, then maybe two to six, and mm-hmm. then maybe six to twelve, and and yeah, right. so on. You you got to figure out some of yours, and part of what the customer needs, or the part of what who's listening here, um, the listeners here need to understand is that part of that is not just the machine runtime, but the customer interface time that you're having to deal with, which is why the cost goes down. When they're ordering 30, you're interfacing with probably almost the same amount of time as if they're ordering one. Yeah, mm-hmm. longer. If any, you know, probably if somebody's just getting one shirt done. They're just they're just really yeah paying crazy attention to what happens. Yeah. So the other reason I like that that model is that you're you're discouraging work you don't want. You know, like like honestly, unless it's a regular customer or part of a strategy or this is your business, is this ultra customization? Yeah, you don't want to stop your day and do a one off. Right. You know. You know what I mean. You. you that. That's not. That's not worth your time unless they pay through the nose for it. And then that's part of your, and it could be part of your strategy is that you do one-offs. Yeah. Therefore, and and then also a couple things to break down. I like in this so one question and then one thought. Um. So forty-six dollars for the shirt that you're wearing right now. Yeah. Is not even unreasonable when you, if you consider if I had to go to Macy's or Dillard's or one of those places and buy a similar shirt that had a branded logo on it. Yes, that's right. true. Exactly. Right. So so for one, that's it's very reason it's reasonable just just on that thought alone. And, and um, wait, by the way, I know people are gonna ask, I'm wearing a uh, an S six oh eight. That is oh, okay. if you go to Sanmar.com you can you can look at it. Okay. 
and um, and then the question I had is, in this model, would you put a cap on the number of stitches allowed for this price model? So would you say, like, up to 12,000 or 15,000 stitches to make sure somebody doesn't bring in some really weird logo that's, that turns into a hot mess for yeah. you? Yeah, right, exactly right. And I actually kind of addressed this a little bit later on in the article, too, okay. about the okay. price per 1,000 stitches. Yeah. Uh, for embroidery and monogramming work, because that is a that's a common way that that uh, pricing is done in yeah. the industry. And and quite honestly, my look at that is a little bit different. I've I've done the time and material studies, yeah, and to to really take a sharp look at that. And so um, some people absolutely, if it's two thousand more stitches, they want to get you know that extra buck for those two thousand extra stitches. But um, it takes the same amount of time to hoop up and load up and walk away from a machine that's yeah. doing 7,000 stitches as, as it does to hoop up and load up and walk away from a machine doing 10,000 stitches. Right. Yeah. You and, know what I mean? And so if you're busy with customers and you've got other things to do anyway, um, you, you know, yes, there's an amount of how quickly can you cycle that shirt, but from a human perspective, uh, yeah. you're, you're really, whether it's a 30,000-stitch logo or a 10,000-stitch logo, the human amount of time is uh, is I, 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 I really like that. So because mm-hmm. um, we talk about that uh, in DTG all the time as well. Is if you know if you're looking at an M2 and printing uh, four small designs or an M6 and printing twelve, mm-hmm. you know it's not really how fast it prints. It's what you can do while it's printing. Mm-hmm. So you know because it's a set it for and and forget it. It's a great perspective in multi head. So. What, key, what you're talking about when you talk about keystoning is you double the cost of the garment, mm-hmm. and then you've got almost a flat rate. It's it's technically called keystone plus pricing, okay. uh, according like to the article. That. And I've got some really good examples for people that go to the podcast and, okay. and, and check the links out below. Yeah, uh, yeah you can download the well, uh, I think download this is, when I read the article, this is the one I immediately just felt was the, was the right way to do it. Because, um, for one, I'm not big in, when it comes to pricing things, and um, which I have to deal with a lot on our website, yeah. I'm not big on the idea of, well, um, if I'm just going to say to embroidery, this embroidery job you know, was 6,552 stitches, and this one was 7,208, and this one was four, that I need to necessarily charge such a, a difference on them. Yeah, I like this flat rate because in the scheme of things, you're going over the over time, you're going to have an average for mm-hmm. your left chest logos and yeah. it's going to balance out. And for the most part, folks who own one or two or four heads, it's the the time difference when you add it up over the course of doing yeah. 72 garments or whatever it is is not it's not this massive number. You're not doing yeah. tens of thousands. If you can shave a hundred stitches off of a hundred thousand logos, you have to sew sew out. If you can shave a hundred stitches off, that's a lot of time. Right. However, if you're doing twelve, what's really the difference in your time going to be in the overall yeah. span of the job? You, you know. You know what else I like about that is that um, honestly, some logos are just freaking hard to sew out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And others are cake, and it has nothing to do with the number of stitches in them. Right. You know, so, I mean, you could go through one logo that somebody brings you that was poorly digitized, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just like the square cold SE logo. Right. It's just hard. Right. You know, and so you get you get more thread breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, right. you get, it takes, it takes longer regardless. It got, it's got more color changes, so it takes yeah. longer. You know, there are, there are a variety of things having nothing to do with stitch count. Right. Um, that are adjusted in this Keystone Plus pricing. But the hard question is, how much is the left chest logo? Well, that kind of depends on all of those factors that we talked okay. about, really. So I mean, Keystone pricing, you keystone know, how, pricing how much, is, how much yeah. a 12 a dozen order, how much would you charge for a left chest logo? Sight unseen. Sight unseen. Um, on what kind of garment? A polo. A polo. Okay. How much is the polo? PK cotton. Twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. A whole bunch of questions. Uh, I'm, asking, I'm looking here. for the. I'm looking for the plus pricing because, yeah. like the the folks that are listening to this, a lot of them aren't in the business anymore. Okay. So it's it's always great. Like, I I see logos on the. I see the FedEx truck logo. Right. You know that that's what I see. You know so left chest logo. So left chest logo typically, if it was six to twelve pieces, which 
yep. it's it's kind of rare that you're getting under six pieces unless you have a, a retail shop where people are you know driving by and can see your shop and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, so six to twelve or more pieces up to seventy two. Uh, generally anywhere from six dollars to four fifty on the low end. So okay. if I had a, a particular customer that I was trying to get in with, and um, and uh, and I wanted to give them a good deal so that I could start doing their work. Yeah. Uh, or if it's maybe a in in our case we used to do a lot of volunteer work. So if it was somebody that I was um, wanting to help out. You know, yeah. From a from a, um, a volunteer standpoint, then yeah. then we would do less, but. But, you know, as long as you're getting your keystone for the garments, you know that you're covering your profits and your typically your overhead and your I like cost there. And, you know, 6 to $4. And, and, and in some, some jobs, it, you know, you, if, it's, if it's a little less than that, that's, it's, it's, your, it's your judgment because we, you we, know that you're getting your money yeah. on your keystone. I, I like to, Oh, go ahead. We did, I was going to say we did, we did another podcast. I think we did another podcast. This no. is number 54. Um, that talked about um, that talked about the long term value of a customer yeah. when mm-hmm. you price it. Mm-hmm. So I like what you just said. Maybe maybe you shave a little bit off if it's if you think it's going to lead yeah. to something long. Yeah, term. and right. it, what's beautiful about this model is you are your your cost per thousand stitch, quote unquote. If you're thinking about it that way, because some mm-hmm. folks listening to this have been told that nine times, and they've been trying, they've been struggling with trying to price with that model. Yeah. So if you're thinking, then if they look at it and they say, well, if a Luck Chess logo has ten thousand stitches and you're charging like five bucks, that's fifty cents for every thousand. I was told to do a buck, you know, and you're and you're challenging yourself with convincing your customer why you need to charge per thousand stitches and all of this stuff that they're not going to understand or care about. However, when you're pricing with this Keystone model and you've got a flat rate, yeah. mostly Keystone works. So, so plus, yeah. I mean, and, so we've got an early favorite. I yeah, mean, obviously and, we have an early favorite. Well, what, what I like about it is that you get to sell on the garment and you get to sell all the benefits of better garments to increase your profits. Yeah. So you can turn around and, you can, and they want to buy yeah. a cheap, Shirt, mm-hmm. you turn around, you sell them the benefits of, well, if you get this collared shirt that's got these materials and it's got stain blocker and it has all these yeah, things yeah, yeah. that you can upsell on, mm-hmm. you've got a whole list of marketing materials provided from the manufacturer. Your customer's going to be happy when they spend more money because they're going to get a nicer garment. You've made more profits, and you didn't have to spend any time doing any math or explaining to yeah. them about these thousand stitches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some, mm-hmm. one more thing, and then we'll move on to the next pricing sure. model. And this is going to be my my not so subliminal message that I'm going to say that people are going to argue with, and that is don't embroider on other people's stuff. Yeah. Okay. Somebody wants to bring it, bring you ten shirts from Walmart. Just tell them. Just tell them no, because especially if you're using the Keystone model, all you're going to do is get the embroidery upcharge of five or six bucks to do the logo. You're going to screw one up. Somebody's going to bring you the the pillow that their grandmother handmade mm-hmm. and asked you to embroider their daughter's name on it. And, you know, the there's an unlimited amount of emotional liability to something like that. Uh, and, and, then, and, then the, and then Walmart doesn't have any more of that size. Yeah. You're calling up six different stores trying to get a replacement. And, and it, it shrinks, it yeah. shrinks, and you didn't, and the color runs, and you didn't know, and you know all yeah, this stuff. There is all sorts of challenges to using other people's garments, and and in our case, we would we would take them. Okay? Yeah. Our, that's what we did. But everybody's different. Um, but they were with with uh, clear expectations up front. You know, yeah. that if something. If a thread breaks or if if, uh, if something bleeds, it's it's on them. You know, they yeah. they we're not. If there's a mistake, we don't cover that because it's their. You know, it's their. Yeah, stuff. and we would get more for it. Like for instance, I would then add additional monies. I wouldn't do Man, that I for just so. Keystone mm-hmm. Plus pricing. Okay. I would I would that was you know easily twelve to fifteen dollars per garment if they brought them to us. And and most people would find out. Like what you'll often have is you'll have people that will want to ask, like get your pricing, and then they'll say, "Well, what if I bring the garments?" And, yeah. and their goal, their end goal, is to go to try and save a couple bucks by yeah. by going and buying them themselves for cheaper. Yeah. And and if you allow that to happen, then then you're not you know they save money by allowing you to make some garment on the profit of the garment too. Yeah. 
that's how you get your embroidery pricing down is, yeah. is by them allowing you to make money. I, I get that. So Keystone Plus pricing is really good. There's, there's some caveats to it, which I talk about in the article. You have to yep. go to the article to get that. Number one is what do you do when the, the jobs get bigger and there's a different model that that is better for larger jobs. Yep. So so let's let's talk about one of the one of the other models. What's what's your choice to talk about next time? So the very next go-to pricing model for pricing embroidery machine embroidery work is to uh, is what we call time and materials. And this okay. is also again Keystone is tried and true in the retail industry. Time and billing is tried and true in the manufacturing and the construction industry. Okay. So, you know, we all know what that means. What's the time and materials? And embroidery has a unique uh, perspective on this, okay? Because unlike construction where uh, the majority of the costs are in the materials, uh, with embroidery the majority of the costs are in the labor. Yeah, that's right. And this is why I come back to that, 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 um, that point I was making about how it takes the same amount of time to hoop up and let a machine run you know, however many thousand stitches it is, because, uh, you know, that's the same amount of time. Well, with construction, you you know, you put thousands and thousands of dollars into, let's say, a, a marble floor. Yeah. You know, and then you pay somebody the equivalent of, you know, whatever. Uh, Labor $200 installation. $200 yeah. you know, to, to put it down for you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, it's almost the reverse in embroidery. Thread, backing, needles, things like those are not your largest cost drivers. As, Negligible cost. Mark can, Mark can tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tri- tri- tripping over pennies. I yeah, think. we have that podcast. Yeah. And, and we had a customer told, tell us that he spent like 45 minutes going through all the backing to determine all the price per square inch so he could figure out how much he would need to charge for it. And then we got him on the phone and he's like, so all of your backing is between like point oh oh four and .005 cents per. He's like, yeah. He's like, why is there not much of a difference? I was like, it's not because much it doesn't of a cost. matter. Yeah, yeah. And it's I said, if you want matter. it bigger, it's just a, you get the size that's convenient for you because it's the time that's going to matter. Is cutting wow. out eight by eight squares the right? The right, the right, well, right for your job with the employees. You have. Honestly, somebody that that goes through that kind of exercise doesn't value their time at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, cutting yeah. out the eight by eight squares is fine because they're yeah. going to do stuff because that would be more useful mm-hmm. than doing the math on backing and trying to well, figure quite out. Quite that, that's the advantage of listening to you guys every week is because there's lots of tips and tricks that that can save time. Yeah. You know why go through these exercises that that so many people before you have have uh, gone over and they know that, hey, this is not worth doing. You know, yeah. One of the little tri- tricks or tips that I'll give to, yeah. to anybody listening is that you don't want to find the cheapest thread and backing and needles that you can find. You actually okay. want to find the very best needles and thread and backing because as a percentage, it's such a small percentage of your overall time and materials mm-hmm. costs. Right. So uh, if, 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 for instance, let's say uh, to do a 1,000 pieces, it's going to cost me $25 to get the cheapest backing I can get and the cheapest thread I can get, and, and maybe I'm going to have 500 more thread breaks right. as a result of it, wouldn't I have loved to have spent that extra $5? And it is $5. Right. Yeah. right. So to make it $30 yeah. on a $10,000 job to not have those 500 extra thread breaks by the time the yeah. job's over with. Yeah, so, so without a doubt, get the very best. Don't don't worry so much. As long as you've got a good supplier that's got good fresh threads, yeah. good fresh backing, good you know, the, 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 the quality of that material is good. Uh, you know, plug well, home in a company for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and, and I'll tell you the problem with um, a lot of people, and this is just this honest right here, and if you're listening to this, the chances are you're guilty of this, is that you're thinking in your credit card limit and balance because it's hard managing finances in a business versus considering the big picture. Of yeah, that's job. a really good point. You're considering, like, you've got a credit card here, and you really don't want to put more than $300 on it yeah. for this $15,000 job you're about to yeah, do, you right. know, over the course of a few months, and you're buying all the thread for it. Um, so you're trying to figure out, how can I save $17? 
on a, on on something that's worth ten thousand to you. That seventeen dollars is what one shirt you messed up it's on. A mind, you know, it's, it's a mindset. Yeah, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. So you move the mindset out of of what is this charge that I'm putting on my credit card mm-hmm. and into the mindset of of how much, like you said, how many thread breaks can I save? You know, yeah. by getting by getting fresh needles. I know yeah. that the box of needles is twenty bucks. I don't want to charge you twenty bucks, but that's a ton of needles. Mm-hmm. No, how, yeah. many, how many garments will a hundred needles go through? Yeah, and, and sometimes people will, will will have a bent needle and they'll just sit in there and work that bent needle for an that's hour. Ridiculous. You know, yeah. because they're afraid. I mean, to if take that's the, the only needle left in your state, there you go. <laughs> so, so Tom, so we're we're kind of talking around this. Yeah. Walk us through pricing using time and material. Yeah. So time and materials is typically done on jobs that are. Let's. I'm going to throw a number out there. Let's say seventy-two pieces or above. Okay, because at that point you're really maybe somewhere in fifty and above on on really high on high priced garments. Um, uh, Keystone it gets expensive on the more expensive garments. Okay, so let's you know let's take a fifty dollar Nike polo. That, yeah. You know that that costs you forty five dollars. So you Keystone that bad boy. Ninety bucks. Eighty five ninety dollars, yeah. which some people are more than willing to pay to get that mm-hmm. Nike brand. But if you're bidding that out against two or three other embroidery shops and you're thinking, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm using this Keystone pricing and why, why am I $20 more expensive? Yeah. It's because the overall number grows faster with the price of the garment. So okay. you have to back that down. You know, on big jobs and on really expensive garments, you now need to kind of shift into a time and materials mode. Mm-hmm. So what that means is now what you do is you 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 have some inclination of what your costs are, okay? And you, you break that down, and I, I talk about this more in the article too, But so uh, so definitely download the article. Um, but um, you, you break, it shows you how to break down the costs of your um, expenses, your overhead expenses, and the expenses for your labor, and how to relate that into each hour that you're running your equipment, okay? So... Right. Because the job is now big enough to take hours and hours or weeks mm-hmm. to do, so you're figuring out how, you know, what's it cost you to keep the, this is the job that you're going to do. Yeah. So how much does it cost you to keep my doors open, to employ people, what are my taxes, mm-hmm. you know, and you can do those numbers in advance to figure out what your cost of operation is an hour. And then you do the math backwards to figure out how many yep. pieces you can put out? Yeah, basically. So, for instance, if your fixed costs are, let's say, fourteen fifty per month and your shop is open for about 40 hours a week, yeah, you know, in this case it works out to about 173 hours a month of which those expenses need to be divided out to. And when you kind of work that number backwards, you know, again, we're working with $1,450 a month. That works out to about $8.38 per hour of what we call fixed expenses, and and we kind of talk about fixed expenses, which are those expenses which are um, they do not vary according to the job. They don't vary according to um, you know what work you're actually getting. And then there's what they call variable expenses, and and um, variable expenses are those costs which which change depending on the job. So. Uh, a variable, a typical variable expense would be the price of the garment. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mark, let's say you buy uh, a particular garment that's twenty-two dollars. Right. That's my variable expenses. Um, uh, other Mark here purchases this, you know, a different garment, same job, same embroidery, same everything. So his garment is now thirty-six dollars. He wants yeah. a really a premium garment. So. He's a little bougie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try. So, so you can see those are your variable expenses now. Does that mean that the fixed price of your machine changed that month? If you're doing Mark A's job as opposed to Mark B's job, mm-hmm. you know, has it has right? No, you still got so you got maybe the equipment lease payment. Mm-hmm. You still got your electric. You still got your your rent for your space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still got to pay the accounting people and mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, um, is is like the labor that it takes to run the machine a variable expense in that? Or those since you've got the employee there every day anyway. That actually that's a really good question, and you can you really need to kind of approach that from two different uh, angles. Okay, um, if if you have people that that you have more or less committed to that x number of hours per week, 
that you're going to provide them with that amount of work and you know come heck or high water you're going to find a way to get them employed you got you got a full-time employee yeah. or uh -huh. two or four right and then you can kind of you can kind of roll those into your fixed expenses and make those your fixed expenses whenever you're doing your time and billing calculation yeah mm -hmm. um, and then just add your variable costs on top of that so now the, the price of the garment and uh, and any unique extra services it's going to take for that customer like if they want you to bag them and box them and okay. and to do you know package them in a certain way too and so you got to so, figure all those costs in there too yeah that's, so. that's a good point so let's so let's look at a job that's coming in that's 144 pieces mm -hmm. um, so you're going to do the time and materials price model Tip, I'm at least going to you're going to check it again. Spot check. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so um, you're going to take whatever it kit takes to keep the light, the lights on money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are your fixed expenses. Mm -hmm. And what was the result in the example that you used? Well, so then what you do is, is you would be surprised what that number is each hour that you work the machine. Like in the case of fourteen hundred dollars and fifty cents, which is what I what I typically think an average um, single head or, or two head operation is running okay. mm -hmm. in expenses each month, and that, you know uh, that includes the the operator. Um, it's it's only eight bucks an hour, and and you know yeah. these machines can make fifty to eighty dollars an hour even on a single head machine. Yeah. By the way, we're we're so. we're, we're still getting used to saying two head. Mm -hmm. uh, because the the Avance fifteen oh two is about to about to hit the streets, mm -hmm. so we've been thinking a lot about it. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, so you said like eight bucks an hour, ten bucks an hour, something like that. In, in the example I gave, it was eight dollars and thirty eight cents an hour. Yeah, and so so let's say you're pricing that job and and you're competing with two or three other people. You know, is are you and and maybe you've had this price list that you've used for years, but. You know, it turns out that you keep losing jobs by a couple dollars here and there. You know, when you do a time and materials billing, you may say to yourself, "Hey, you know, I think it's okay for me to only make sixty-five dollars an hour yeah. uh, for this job." You know, rather than my normal sixty-seven dollars an hour, I might right. want if I use this other pricing model. So, so you have to be heads up about it. You and can't. You know, this is this part of business is making good decisions at the time. Not, I like that. Not and, just and, sticking to something. And I'm gonna, I'm going to posit the same thing that I said earlier about the long-term value of the customer. Mm -hmm. That these are things that are going. So it seems like the time and materials method is always is also a good way to make sure you're not losing money. Yeah, it's a, I was it's a good defensive it that position. Way. Yeah, it's a good defensive position, and also, um, if you are if you're doing this method and you realize that you say, based on what I'm thinking, um, it costs me this much to run my business. I want to be able to make at least this much an hour running my business, mm -hmm. and then I know this is a safe number to sell. Um, what's interesting about that is. If you're doing different pricing models and you're sticking to your guns in those pricing models and your machine is not running mm -hmm. and you're sitting there quiet, then um, then you should probably do some math of what if my machines were running longer and I was making a little bit less per hour. Right. Right. Because that math works. Unless you're happy with the money you're making and you're happy working 10 yeah. hours a week and, and, and your price model's fine and everything's fine, then everything is fine. You don't yeah. have to listen or change anything. But if you want to make some more money and you're only running your machines 30 hours a week and you're trying to get in an extra 10 or 15, right. this is a good way, I think, to to get into that model safely. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Time and Materials does two great things. It, it really does give you an absolute true test for that particular job on the downside. If, if you're bidding and bidding, bidding contracts, and every year it seems they get lower and lower and lower and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, Time and materials will let you say, hey, you know, every other job you do in your shop is you're making 65 bucks an hour, but on this one customer, they've worked you down so much that you can't seem to make more than 30 bucks an yeah. hour on their jobs. Mm -hmm. Time and materials billing will help you cut that person loose because like you'll realize that if you had spent the same 10 hours working that job going out and finding another good customer, those are 10 hours you can yeah. recoup. To to but but use that time to dump into your sales, uh, you know, activities. Yeah. So so here's another marketing thing so. that that I think most small businesses don't think of. Although by the time you're ready to use this pricing model, I'm not entirely sure that you'd still be qualified as a really small business, right? Because you're you're mm -hmm. doing the the bigger jobs, and that is kind of the um, 
the economic cost and the opportunity cost of taking a lower paying job. Mm -hmm. So like what Tom just said is, you know, you might look at these bigger jobs and, you know, it's been competitive, so you've shaved your pricing down to a point. Well, you also have to look at what else could I, I do in those hours? In other words, am I pushing off a more profitable job or a set of more profitable jobs in order to take this? Or how much money can I make if I go door to door? Or if I'm on the phone the whole time? You know, or, you know, so what is the opportunity cost behind these things? Right. Are there other ways that you could be making money instead of doing this job? Right. And at Keystone Plus pricing, I don't have a problem with that conversation because it's almost always going to be, this is what I should be doing right now. Yeah, right. well, and that's what's scary about owning a small business is oftentimes you have to make decisions of doing things that, that aren't going to make you money right now, mm -hmm. and they're risks. They're yeah. the risk-reward type of a thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to turn down this job where I could have made $35 an hour, and instead I'm going to go hit the streets or I'm going to learn Facebook marketing, yeah. Google marketing, and it's like I could spend all this time learning how to Google search marketing, and am I going to make any money, and how long is it going to take yeah, I'll just I'll take the thirty-five an hour. Yeah, but it's, it's it feels safer. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that what it what it also does is you know I mean it keeps keep people from undervaluing themselves. Which yeah, hap which happens all the time. And what we discovered in retail um, areas or retail shops, mm -hmm. um, there, there's good in the fact that people are driving by and they're walking in, and sometimes they've got fifty pieces they want to just drop on you because you are like right there as they go to work every day. So yeah, they're going to drop those orders on you. But then you've also got every time somebody walks in your in your shop, you're spending an hour with them a lot of times. You know, yeah. even that one item that they want to bring you from their shirt, they want you to do it for five to ten dollars. Mm -hmm. But by the time you spend that one hour, and when you could have been hooping up the next garment, I'm already losing money. You're, you, you know, you can't really get this fifty, sixty dollars you're getting at every other case. So that what happens when you do time and materials, you really end up seeing how. You know how how expensive it can be to do those onesie twosies. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you end up shooting for higher higher marks. All right, so so you know. so it it hasn't replaced replaced my favorite. You know, but um, yep. so far time and materials really. So we talked about Keystone Plus, Keystone time Plus and materials, and both seem logical, right? Yeah, yep. they both have a place. And for the time and materials, you can just figure out what your base cost is once. And then adjust it for for if you hire somebody or if you increase your space. It's not like you have to do that math every day. Right. right. You know, you find out it cost me forty dollars an hour to do a job. Mm -hmm. You know, and then work. And here is the beauty. This is this is one of the things. And, and I actually heard heard the owner of Cold Essie recently say this: is that when you when you add on additional equipment, what you're effectively doing is you're taking your fixed costs and you're dividing them up into more heads. So yeah. if your fixed costs are fourteen fifty and you've got one embroidery machine covering that cost, you've got to make a higher number than if you've got two heads covering yeah. that cost. Mm -hmm. And 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 that is that's where you know, um, making the decision to go for that two head or that four head up, you know, sometimes up front makes a lot of sense because you're now dividing um, your fixed cost by four heads instead yeah. of by one yeah. head. So I, you're, I like you're effectively, per hour of running time, reducing your cost by twice or by four times as, as little. There, There is no more clearly, there's no more obvious ROI change right. than when you go from a single head machine to a two head machine. And, and it's how double. Much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then I, I'm willing to bet that if you were financing or leasing or something like that, you're not doubling. No, 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 no definitely not. Right. Okay, so we got Keystone Plus. We've got Time and Materials. I know there's one more that you had in the article. There's a, there's a couple others. There's, okay. of course, the price per thousand stitches. But um, uh, I, I, I view the price per thousand stitches because everybody's got a number out yeah. there. And you, if that's the way you want to price, there's plenty of places all over the web to find a number for that that people just tend to charge. And what, and, what is it usually? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you say one. Oh gosh, you know what? I never really dollar? did it that much. Yeah, so a lot of times it dollar per thousand, but it's varied. I mean, it used to be more than that. It, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it's about a dollar per thousand stitches. So that puts a seven thousand stitch logo at seven dollars. You know, but but then you also need to figure out what are you gonna make on the garment. Yeah. You know, and so 
Now okay. everybody's got a different formula for that. If you're not keystoning the garment, but you're charging seven bucks, sometimes seven bucks on fifty shirts plus keystoning is that's a bit much. You know? Okay. So you gotta you gotta consider that. Okay. So what else do you have? So um, so the the really the price per thousand stitches. Um, it's not even a good way to determine time and materials that way. I mean, price per thousand, you can't really relate your time and materials to a per thousand stitches because that varies. That varies by thread break. It makes it so radically different that it's tough. So so that is within the scheme of what what, what is used in business. It's called price to market. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is like what I consider my third check on my pricing. So... Keystone pricing I know is generally good between you know anywhere from a dozen to to uh, to six or seven dozen shirts. Yeah, uh, you know I need to can, I need to start shifting into a time of materials mode if I'm going to go above that or if I'm going to go dramatically below that. Um, but but then what I also have to consider is I have to consider price to market and price to market basically means what is the market bearing out there? Okay, and that can vary a lot by by area. That can vary a lot by what kind of competition you've got. And so all of these pricing models fit within the realm of price to market. In other words, if you open up a terrific shop and you set your pricing, but you never win any, any jobs, right? You know, then you're going to you're gonna have to adjust somewhere. You're going to have to either go find yeah. a niche market that can get the, the pricing you want to get, or, or you're, you're going to have to price to market. Now... The beauty of price to market is that people that have determined the market price in your area, you know, probably they know what they're doing. Okay. So you have to consider that that they may know something that you don't know. So Mm -hmm. you calculate your costs, but but maybe everybody else is a dollar lower. Well, maybe they've learned that, that, that the type of work that they get in this area, the type of jobs that get done, you know, See what, what I what so. I think is really interesting is you when you talk about price to market, you're talking about find, finding kind of the lowest pri- the lower price that people charge. Not not really. It's it's determining what the average is for the area that okay. you're in, and and I'm going to say being aware of it. Okay. okay? Uh, people really have hard feelings on this sometimes because yeah. they feel like, well, if I give an inch, then the next guy gives an inch, the next guy gives an inch, and everybody yeah. goes into a downward spiral. And, and in theory, that is true, but it doesn't happen that way in practice. Well, in practice, is, generally, people try to hold their price. Yeah, this is capitalism right yeah. here. Yeah, that's what and that's, what's, that's what is safe about that, is that in, in, the, in the short term and particularly niche markets, you will get that, where it will spiral, boom, it will fall to the bottom, and then it rises back up again. Mm-hmm. However, if you are in a busier area... And there's embroidery shops of all sizes. Then you can, then it's a mature market. You can feel safe if the market is holding a particular price. That there are people staying in business. Mm-hmm. But there's something that I read in the article. You mentioned about approaching businesses that are like yours. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Like meaning, like you can't price yourself as a two-head shop compared to the shop that has 70 heads. Right. That is, that's, that is exactly the case. Like what, what typically happens is somebody maybe ha- doesn't have uh, as many heads. Yeah. Right? Maybe they got a one-head machine. Okay? Yeah. And, and, and sure enough, they're, they're a good friend of theirs, works for the high school, they're maybe the PTA president, and, and they go to bid this job and they find out, wow, you're $5 more expensive than anybody else out there. Well, yeah. You know, what if what if five shops in the area all have eight heads, twelve heads? You know, and they they've got that better ROI calculation. Yeah. Okay. Um, generally, that's not necessarily a bad thing because what you can do is you can peck around and you can find out the types of jobs that are going to be great for you. You can you generally will find out in some of these bigger shops that they're maybe not doing the same quality level. So there's definitely angles yeah. for you to make your money. Everybody has to start somewhere. And I, I like that because we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. So in general, are the people that listen to the CAS podcast are smaller shops. Mm-hmm. They've got one or maybe two machines in whatever category that they're in, mm-hmm. whether it's embroidery or printing or, or vinyl or whatever it is. So the odds that they're going to be the cheapest one that is ever going to approach the local high school or the local electric company or the biggest university or, or whatever it is, is really low. 
Right. You know, so we've got all kinds of podcasts on finding those niche markets. Like, what if you're the only embroidery guy that that addresses the um, Hispanic market mm-hmm. in your area on a personal level? You know, um, you make those personal connections and you and you get more money for it. Right. And what I what I like about what you're saying it is is you know, as long as you're offering the same price on average as everybody else, and you're a nice guy or girl, and you deliver on time, and you smile, and you answer the phone, you have a shot at the business. Um, what, I, what I don't like about it, because when I think about market pricing, what I think about is, is setting the market and charging just as much as I can possibly think of, and then wait for people to say no, and then drop it by 50 cents. Right. And then do that again and wait for people to say no and then drop it. So you're finding, for me, market pricing is finding the highest possible price that you can charge for what you're doing. You know, all the while doing that math. So if you lose a job, mm-hmm. you've got to do, okay, well, what are my fixed costs? You know, am I, am I missing out on a job? Or am I better off just saying no and going out and finding more of those high profit potentials? Right, which is why our customers love you're not in charge of pricing anything here. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but... but um, well, you should know yeah. what, what people are charging in your area. Yeah. really what I'm trying to get at, yeah. particularly with somebody just starting out. Um, you probably will be encouraged by it. You know, yeah. you'll be, you'll, you might find that as you talk to other embroidery shops and... What I have found in, in t- almost 20 years now of doing this is that people are willing to talk to you. I mean, when you, whether it be at, at yeah. shows, whether it be at different yeah. events that you go to or see people out and about, they're generally interested in your business, even if they're a competitor of yours. And, yeah. and very often you can find that one thing you do really well that the other person would love to have somebody to subcontract that to. Yeah, and so I like that there is there is no need in this industry like to be so predatory. Yeah. yeah, like patches. A lot of people say no to patches because they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. yeah, you know, so you you've got a patch kit. Maybe you got the Avance and Patch Kit Pro bundle, and that's your that's your niche. That's your niche. We so, have customers that just do patches and um, using our, our patch kits and materials yeah. and stuff like that, and they they do particularly well because they actually have they get other jobs in because they say yes. Yeah. And then it turns around they're doing. So we have customers that they regularly buy patch material and we'll ask them. They're like, oh, do you do a lot of patches? They're like, yeah. I do an okay amount of patches. However, I do a lot of business because I do patches. Yeah, right. Just kind of using that as an example. Thing. What was the, the, the thing, the clamp thing? The Coleman clamp. Yeah. The yeah. 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 So, so um, that's just, you know, we've got a couple of new bundles for the Avance. Uh, one is the ultimate monogram bundle. Um, and that includes the Coleman clamp. It includes a special um, for uh, flex fit uh, caps for unstructured caps, the Durkee hoop, um, and it includes I can't remember what fast the other frame. the fast frames. Mm-hmm. So you know I mean so this maybe this is your specialty is that you do um, you do custom sneakers. Maybe your specialty is monogramming. Yeah, monogramming does well. You know, yeah. um, so whatever that is, you've. You've got the expertise. You can do it fast. You can do it well, and that's what you advertise that you do. And that allows you to to step out and set a standard for a market price on something, is yeah. because you're unique in there. And it allows you to step out of the market price when you're competing against shops that've got twenty heads. Especially if you're in a big city, yeah, you know you're going to run into a decent amount of those, but they're going to say no to the patches. Or they're going to say no to the six-piece jobs, or whatever, or whatever it might be. Right. Or maybe it's even it's even market positioning, and it's a little off topic. But let's say that you bill yourself as a monogramming business. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So when people look that up in your area, they're not looking for embroidery shops. They're not looking for custom polos. They're looking for a monogramming business, and and that's you. So you may charge a little bit more, but you know what? This is my specialty. Mm-hmm. Is my specialty is patches. My specialty is hats or monogramming or, or whatever it is. So good opportunity to do my version of the market price. Yeah, and so um, uh, so as far as the price per thousand stitches, which is the other pricing model that I kind of kind of talk about, also is that um, for embroidery and monogram services, is um, it's within the realm of pricing the market. In other words, okay. it's within the realm of of being aware of what other people in your area are charging. Uh, because chances are it's going to be okay for you. It's going to be good for you. 
and and not not anything to really stress about and and be flexible. Um, I I think that people a lot of times miss opportunities, big opportunities even, because they're not flexible. You know, okay. when you are trying to get into two or three big high schools, or you're trying to get into uh, a, a corporation that would that you know would be a, a juicy job for you to have. You, you you got to be flexible. You got to give a little bit on the front end, knowing that uh, two or three orders, they get to see your quality of your work. They begin to compare you against anything else they had in the in the past, and it's better. They're going to want to pay long long term value, right? Not you know, it's it was not unusual for us occasionally to throw out a loss leader, right? Or mm-hmm. donation. There were plenty of times when I felt, uh, you know, well how. You know, if if we can do these 144 polos, yeah. we'll provide two banners for right. your company. And I would order up a couple banners, and and and, and they would get to promote their ball team. Yeah. And in the meantime, I walked away with 144 piece order. You know, and, and at the same price anybody else would have charged, but it don't. You know, yeah, and, and the and the other less on banners. The other part of that is, you know, is that something that happens every year? Mm-hmm. You know, so am I going to get that business every year? Is those can I can I put a business card or a flyer uh, in the box for everyone that you're giving one of these shirts to? Right. Um, can I sign anyone up in your organization? You know, on my email list. Yep. Can you make? Can you say that I'm the official embroiderer for? You know, um, for this organization. So that's a really good point. I like that a lot. Yeah, and I make a I make a point in the article too about volume, about how volume can affect your pricing and, okay. and how it can allow you to get even more jobs and and how it, if you stay consistent at it and you, you keep going um, work begins to push to you mm-hmm. so you know somebody that just sticks it out long enough uh, eventually two three years into it you begin not to have to go sell every job stuff just starts coming to you because right. they hear about you they find out about you and you get repeat orders and orders. yeah so I love that. just don't make any decisions about what you're going to do with your business until until you get it at two years into it, because that's when it starts to get juicy. That's when it yeah. really gets good. That's really interesting, and I think it, what's cool about this whole discussion and talking about some of these models is then you get, as you're deciding what your pricing is going to be, you also, um, as for t- people listening to this being small shops, you get to kind of pick some of your areas of expertise in addition to your niche, your, um, your niches. So when we discuss, you know, a big shop who can do cheaper, may they might not do small jobs. They may not do as good of a quality. They yeah. might not offer as large of a, as as flexible of selection of garments because they have these barriers that come up as a big shop. We, so we, in our case, routinely we did more than fifteen percent subcontract work mm-hmm. to other embroidery and/or screen print shops. Yeah, people that do uh, very nearly what I do, but not in certain markets. Not in certain niches, and okay. a good fifteen percent of our business was that, and that's that's just the idea of being flexible yeah. and being open to what comes your way. Yeah, and I mean, don't don't um, don't get discouraged if you're just starting your business, or you know, if you plan to starting your house, or you're still a small business, because you have some amazing opportunity in niches, and you know, I, I just thought of of one example, so. Um, my daughter uh, got engaged recently, so she's going to get married. And I was just thinking, you know, if they had things monogrammed, like if it was handkerchiefs, it was something on the wedding uh, placement, if it was gifts for the groomsmen or the bridesmaids, like, do you really, like, are you really going to trust that to some big embroidery shop that you don't know or you've never done business with? You know, are you going to trust it to a specialty shop? Maybe. Yeah. Are you going to trust it to somebody that is in your town that you know, that you can go and see, that comes and talks to you? Mm-hmm. You know, there's that level of trust for some of these jobs mm-hmm. that that is, not only is it great for long-term business, but it's really profitable. Yeah. And you got to build, build value. I think that that is the best advice I try to give to folks who are trying to figure out how to make money, how to price their jobs. Like and we have um, a customer experience podcast, yeah. which is kind of all about building value. But why don't you become an expert on all the different types of apparel in a catalog? 
maybe not all of them, but you dwindle down what your catalog is going to be. Yeah. Like through Sandmar, and then you pick. All right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to willing to work with these thirty garments. Be an expert on all of them. No, like you know which what are one of the ones that come in different colors, and which are the moisture wicking styles, and which ones are the light ones, and which ones iron easy. Yeah. And all of these things. So when you're talking to customers, you can become an apparel consultant. Yeah, and you could say, well, what shirt are, are yeah, I'm going down the road, and they're going to do the shirts for 35 a piece, and you're trying to sell them for 40. Mm-hmm. Well, what are they going to put it on? And then they mention the garment, and you know it's a popular garment because you've gotten to know what the really popular yeah. garments are. Yeah, right. And you say, oh yeah, I know that shirt. Like they're fine. They're it's fine. You know, um, here's what I like. Shrink, yeah, yeah. shrink a little bit. Yeah, you're fine with. Saving the five bucks, you know, but you're going to get that polo shrinks a little bit. Yeah. So make sure you buy bigger ones. Unless, I'll tell you what, though, if you don't want to deal with one that shrinks, this one here is a pre-shrunk one or just the fabric it's made out of, and it comes in more colors. You can oh, The embroidery is going to be softer on the back yeah, of this one. It's right. going to feel I better. When, or when it, it's going to wash better. You talk with all of these things, you become a consultant, you become an expert, mm-hmm. then they can begin to trust you. Yeah. Um, because you're providing them a lot of information, and even if you know, even if yeah, if you're going to go over there, you know um, that you know, yeah, that shirt's just not as good, and that's fine. You know, I just want you to know, you know, you understand that. This is what I would do. This yeah. is what, yeah, this is what I would do. I would probably order them, some of them a little bit bigger, but it's, yeah. I know it's ambiguous because it depends. Are they shorter? Are they taller? <laughs> right. are, they, are they are they wider? Are they you know are they broad shoulders? These are European sizes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, know what they're um, But I think it's great if you become become an expert and build value in everything that you do, and that goes down that customer experience because we talked about the bagging and boxing, which you mentioned yeah. earlier. So how that's a enough. cost, yeah. but that allows you to mark up differently as well when they get when every you know every polo that the company orders comes in an individual bag and box and a tag yeah. and a thank you note and, and all these things so, so all your employees get a, a good experience that's too. a unique yeah. that's a unique thing because that is a cost but that also is a money maker I mm-hmm. mean that is that when when you put labels all around your boxes and those mm-hmm. boxes you know basically sit in some some uh, uh, resource officers you know Office for, yeah, yeah. for the whole year, and, and everybody that walks into that office and gets another sees that label, yeah, sees that label in there. It's marketing, so yeah. these little extras are costs, but they're they're very negligible when it comes to. I want you to turn around and look in the corner of your. Oh yeah, what, is it, what does it boxes? say back there? It says I've got a box that says <laughs> District Made. District Made. I see uh Apparel and Amazon. I do. I do have Amazon. Yeah, right? Amazon hey, Music. You got a new video. Camera. You know, I mean, there's the value right there. Why do Why do all of these successful companies, you know, do that? So that's part of it too. There's a lot of cool things to learn. That was one of the least, the more successful things that we did that made us differentiated, and we could get that extra dollar yeah. or two because they knew that they were going to be packaged for them. They knew that right. it was going to be. They were going to be. In, in our case, we did sealed. Right. Know, so. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I freaking love this podcast. It yeah. was um, one of the most useful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate the yeah, information. I love doing it. Anybody's welcome to call me or, or you know, ask specific questions. Or, yeah. You know. Sounds great. I, I said when I read the article, I was like, this is going to be useful to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So so here's what, here's what you can do is I don't know if it will be on there right away. Um, but uh, we will put a link to the article. We'll, we'll do a PDF download on the podcast page. I will also add it to our files on the Custom Apparel Startups Facebook group as a PDF, so any of our members will be able to download it. Um, caspodcast.com. caspodcast.com and the Custom Apparel Startups Facebook group. So, um, and I, would, uh, I know Mark Veal and I would appreciate it if you shared this podcast with somebody. Mm-hmm. So not just people inside the apparel business. I mean, as you can see, we talk a lot about pricing and marketing and niche markets. I think it would uh, would appeal to a bunch of different kinds of folks. Okay. Um, anything else, Mark? Uh, from me, no. I'm, I This is another one where what do I like to do at the end? I want people to be inspired to do something different to make their business better. And I think that if you've listened to this and you already have a pricing model that you feel um, is really great, then, then, one, just ask yourself, would I like to do more business or am I okay where I am? 
right. then, and this is, I guess, is entertainment for you. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> um, I hope but so. Most people listening to this is because they want to do better with their business. They yeah. want to make more money. Yeah. So if you've got a price model you've been using for a while, even if it's for only six months or a year, I think you should reevaluate it. Yeah. And just take a little bit of time to reevaluate it. Read the article. Try to make different price models for this. And then I think a great exercise to do would maybe historically go back. With, say if you make three different price models based on the article, yeah, mm-hmm. go back, look at some old jobs you did, price them out. Oh, that's a great idea versus what you did. See how it would have gone. Yeah, and then and see how it would have gone, and, and see, and then you can make some decisions. Am I not busy because I'm priced out of the market? Yeah. Am I not profitable because when I do my time and materials, I'm way too low. I'm giving yeah. away the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can then you can kind of figure out you know um, maybe some problems. And if nothing, I think a great thing that could happen is you do it all and you say, you know what, I was like 90% there. Yeah. If I, if I t- tweak this 10%, I can get 10% more profit, 10% more business, and, and boom, this podcast n- changed the life. That's right. It makes yeah. a big difference at the end of the year. Yeah. So that's yeah, absolutely true. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, this has been Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And Mark Viola from Coleman and Company. Thanks again, Tom Rumbaugh from Coldessie as well. And I hope you guys have a good business. 